Welcome to the Chris and Sam podcast. Pull up a bar stool and join us for a random conversation, guaranteed to make you think or your money back. <laughs> I mean, you got a long way to go. Yeah. Hey guys, welcome to the Chris and Sam podcast. My name is Sam, and sitting across from me in our lavish, lush studio is Chris Hanlon. Hey Sam, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yeah, our love, lavish, lush studio. Um, you do realize that these couches are only lasting to the end of the year, right? Yeah, I try not to think about that too much. Ah, oh, that's so good. So good. Thanks, Neil. Yeah, <laughs> we love you, Neil. Leave him uh, here. So last episode, we talked about the 48-hour film festival. We had the Podfellow guys here, or half of them. And we had about four hours left until the competition hand in. And we were quite confident everything was running smoothly. But what actually happened, Chris? I, I, I want to swear, but I'll just say I screwed up <laughs> big time. Um, yeah, no, it was it was interesting because we thought everything was as good as it could get. And if anyone's ever done a 48-hour film competition, you know you don't like bugger off and do a podcast halfway through. It seemed like a good idea at the time. It did. It seemed like a good idea because it was in post-production and we didn't have the skills for post-production. Yeah, and I would have felt weird hanging around in post-production going, hey, what are you doing? Yeah, and I didn't want to be pressuring them. But as it turns out, I should have been there, which uh, our debrief, um, my debrief with the director, we went through things we could have improved. And why could we have improved them? Because we didn't really have smooth sailing at the end. No, we didn't. To, to, to put it in perspective, we all got there at 5. Now, the hand-in at 7 p.m. And you can't be on, one on second Sunday. late. Yeah, there's no late. You, you're out if you're, you're late. So hand-in's by, before 7 p.m. Sunday. We get there at 5, 5.30 to view it before we send it. And we're sitting outside the um, the you know the editing suites and that just having a chat in the lounge, getting more and more concerned. We finally get invited in at 6, about 6.30, 6.40. About 6.40, I think. Yeah, and um, they go, all right, we're just going to do the final render. And they click render, and it goes, rendering time, 52 minutes. And we're like, okay. oh, we're so screwed. We're not going to make it. It's not happening. And so, I mean, at some point, Sam, who doesn't, probably know anything about editing but knows a bit about computers i don't know he's he's on his hands and knees behind this major computer with wires everywhere going and people are going don't wiggle that one don't don't bump that hard drive it's a bit temperamental (laughs) yeah and i don't know if what he did actually helped or not i don't know but suddenly the um because we're we're getting down to the wire we've we've got five minutes before we're going to hand this thing in in another building like across well not across town it wasn't too far away fortunately but it jumped it went from like it was still like 50 percent or something and then it jumped right through to like 97 percent or something like that and it was like still it was going to take too long i looked at it and went i'll get the car going i'll be out in the back parking lot with the motor running and i just ran didn't know if we'd get this out no. in time. So Chris is sitting outside at this point in time 
we're waiting for this thing to finish. It finishes, and then for some reason the editor dude can't eject the USB stick. So they're just like, just pull it out the back. So I pulled that out. We handed that to another chick who was checking that in another editing room. And we said to him, save it onto the other memory sticks that we had, the other USB sticks. He did that, and then he was like, I don't know where it saved it to. And I think at that point I screamed at him and said, how do you not know where it has saved it to? <laughs> Try and resave something else and then find the location. Um, and then managed to get it on those memory sticks. And then the problem was we brought two brand new memory sticks that had, Identical. No, that had no names. And he goes, I don't know which one it saved it to. So I was just about to rip both of them out, stuff them both in the envelope and give them a free USB stick. Uh, and then, then there was yelling next door, it's on here, it's on here. So that started me on a little bit of a little mini Olympic sprint by me, ripped it out of uh, Jess's hand and ran out the door towards your running vehicle. I'm sitting in the car going, I wonder if they're going to make it, I wonder if they're going to make it. And then I hear the thud, thud, thud of it, Sam. He's opening the door, goes, go, go, go. He's not even in the car yet. And I go, like, what the hell? So we're already in motion before the door shuts. We um, rapidly um, went around a couple of roundabouts and a few intersections, slammed on the brakes outside of this place. Sam runs in. I bail out and then uh, run in the doorway. And I can see there's lots of people inside. And Adam and Ben are actually inside just waiting to see if anyone turns up from our team. And this is Because they, they thought we were got done. They, yeah. they, they, they went, oh, okay, we're not going to make there's it. A, we're just going to go over and check it out. There's a dude dawdling in the doorway holding a laptop looking at something on the screen. And I contemplated just punching him in the head to get him out of the way. <laughs> but the floor running into the media theatre is all uneven, sort of. And you can't tell. So anyway, I've never run into no, the media theatre. Because I had to run around him, I went on the funny slope. And I actually fell over and landed on my knee quite heavily. And I've got this major vinyl burn on my knee. Jump up and I ran in. And I think Adam was saying it was about 40 seconds to go by the time I ran in. Yeah. And then I slammed it in the box and then everyone cheered, which was pretty cool. And I was like, yeah. Meanwhile, I'm parking the car. So I park the car. I run down the street. And I'm sort of jogging. I'm like, well, did we make it? Did we make it? And I run in just as they're counting five, four, three, two, one. And I'm running in. And then some guy, I heard some guy near me went, oh, no, that must be the saddest man ever. And I'm like, no, 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 Sam, Sam made it. We, we got our thing in. Yay. <laughs> And then I couldn't find you, and I had a moment of panic going, oh, don't tell me Sam went to the wrong place. He's not here. <laughs> no, no. So, it, well, it was lucky that I'd been there for the um, start of it. Oh, of course. So yeah. I knew where to go. Yeah. So that was our 48-hour film uh, experience. We've <sighs> got... Uh, and, and I've got to say, um, so one of the other things is, um, and, and, and this isn't being critical of the people. It's, if anything, critical criticism is leveled directly at me. Um, but the edit was not as good as it could have been or should have been. Um, and the reasons for that are many, and mostly around uh, not having a, a decent workflow, not having the time. I mean, I'm sure Matt could have done a much better job had he had more direction and more time, but yeah. we never organized that. So uh, it's not it's not a, a, a slight on Matt, but we, we didn't have a great film. We didn't have as great a film as we could have given the footage we got. We've got some brilliant that, brilliant footage that's the thing that i really like we've got great sound we've got great footage and i know the guys are re-editing it together yeah well, a, i was just going to say so about that so awesome. so we what we got for the competition is probably pretty good for um 
48 hours standard, like, because, you know, yeah, yeah, we've got some good stuff. It's furious filmmaking. Um, but, you know, I knew we had much better. So we've talked with um, Ben's going to do some editing, and he is re editing it, and we're going to look at um, putting it in the, oh, into International Film Festival. So I'm going to be looking at doing that uh, as the producer and um, see how that goes, because that's good practice for me, because we've got a film I'm going to be producing in a couple of months and through production and then I'm going to be doing the same thing with that so this is a bit of a dry run it won't cost me too much hopefully just because it yeah. costs every time you submit yep. whether you accept it or it'll not. be interesting to uh, go through that process yeah so anyway so 48 hours our last podcast was oh we're so cool this is so easy we're so good uh, it, then it became, was a very smooth oh, weekend oh my god <laughs> yeah it was just that end but yeah, that was still pretty cool. Oh, it was, was good, good fun. Story. It was good fun, and the whole team want to do it again. I think I don't think there's anybody who wants to drop out. Well, that's good. Um, everybody wants to do it again. Everybody had a good uh, experience. It's interesting. We we definitely did a. I did an hour long debrief with um, Paige, the director, and yep. we got a lot of things we're going to change, and you know a lot of things we could have done differently. So that's cool. And she's really keen. Well, she's still in two minds, but she thinks we won't use uh, DSLRs next time. Yeah, yeah. Use um, cinema ca- cameras. Okay. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, so anyway, end of our uh, 48 hours. That's the, the update on the, the dramatic. The... And it really was like a movie. I mean, come on, 40, 20 seconds at the end. Like, oh, man. Yeah, that was good. Um, there's actually a video. Can we... Get that in the show notes of... Um, yeah, I think Sasha's got that. Sasha's got a couple bit. of videos of uh, what Sam was uh, describing there with the panic at the end and then Sam running out the door. And then he's also got a video of them looking at the timer on the screen. Um, so the internet timer counting down to the thing. And they didn't know if we'd made it or not. Yeah. I rang them about a minute afterwards and sort of said... Hey, dude, we made it, and I hear all this cheering in the room and all that sort of thing. So that was pretty cool. It was. It was hugs all round, high fives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, so that's, that's our update. What else have we got to talk about today, Sam? I thought I'd talk about people's weird fetishes. <laughs> I don't really know anyone that has any, and I haven't come across anyone Well, that's... you probably do. They just haven't owned up to Yes, them. that's true, but... <laughs> Let's wade into the conversation about Ponygate, or whatever you want to call it, with our Prime Minister. Now, this is summed up beautifully by John Oliver, who's in the States. The story went around the world. Oh, this is, um, was this show called This Week Tonight? Is that what it's called? Yes. Last Week Tonight. Last Week Tonight. Last Week Tonight. I love that show. I mean, I love George. I'm going to play this three-minute clip, because I just love how he words it. And 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 the actual clip will be on the show notes as well. We'll put that in Yes, we can do that. Yep. So here we go. Don't fail me now, Internet. New Zealand, uh, the country whose major form of transportation is bungee jumping. (laughs) Their their Prime Minister, John Key, has had a spectacular week. Peter, a very unusual story breaking here this morning. It involves the Prime Minister, a ponytail and some Pinot Noir. (laughs) That is the single greatest news tease I've ever heard. Just take a moment right now at home and imagine a story in which those three things come together. And I guarantee you what you've just come up with is a lot less weird than what actually happened. John Key has apologised to an Auckland waitress who says he behaved like a bully 
by repeatedly pulling her ponytail when he came to the place where she worked. To give you a sense of the detail of what she describes, she says, um, he'd come up behind me when I was ordering at the terminal, tug on my hair and then pretend that his wife Brona had done it. She says that, that he rounded the corner behind me and commented one time, that's a very tantalising ponytail. Oh! If you are a full-grown adult male, there's a very short list of things that you can describe as tantalising without creeping out everyone. There is steak, and that is absolutely it. That's it. That's the only thing. And the crazy thing here is, it turns out this had been going on for a while. The woman who's not been identified says it began in November. She told him to stop in March, but he continued to do it. She tried to avoid him, even telling his security, she was sick of having my hair pulled and one day I'll snap and I'll punch him in the face. And why do I get the feeling that his security guard's reaction was, oh, please do, that would be awesome. We're not allowed to, but we want to. But, but, but wait, just wait until you hear his explanation for a grown man pulling a waitress's hair. There's always horsing, lots of horsing around and sort of practical jokes. And, uh, you know, look, that, that's really all there is to it. I realised she had actually taken offence because it was all in the context of a, a bit of banter that was going on. Uh, and so I, you know, obviously immediately apologised for that. I gave her some mind. She thanked me for that, said, look, that's all fine, no drama. Look, no drama. You, you, can't, you can't just pull someone's hair for months, then make it all good with a bottle of wine. You're the Prime Minister of New Zealand, not a real housewife of New Jersey. <laughs> but amazingly, this story gets one step weirder, because then people went back and found other clips of him randomly touching strangers' hair, <laughs> including this one of him pulling a child's ponytail. Yeah, OK, well, that's good. That's very sweet. Do you know who this man is? Yeah. Who is he? A ponytail-pulling Prime Minister right there. He can't pass any dangling hair without pouring at it. He's more cats than Prime Minister at this point. And the problem is, this completely undermines his authority during any diplomatic negotiations. I, we'd uh, very much like you to end the sanctions. Yeah, we're not going to do that, and I'll tell you why. You're a creepy individual who pulls women's hair. Oh, yeah, that's a fair point. Makes sense. I'll show myself out. Bit of bin to no drama. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> That's awesome, isn't it? I love that clip. And and I uh, yeah, it's just weird. It's bizarre. It, it's bizarre because it's prime minister level. Like he should know better. Like the security guys or his minders or whoever the hell he's got should have stepped in at some point and said, "Hey, you've done this about twelve times now, or five times. Do you think maybe you should stop doing that? Like, can they not say in the interest of your public image? Do you think that you could stop doing that?" And if you really, really want to do that, we'll do it in the privacy of your own home and we'll bring some people around or, you know, something like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that whole thing that it was going on for months and months at that coffee shop is just just insane. It's, it's insane, insane because it doesn't matter who's doing it. You don't need to put up with that crap. Yeah, yeah. You know. And I wish she had turned around and thumped him in the face. Man. That would have been way better story. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. We've got Prime Minister John Key... Um, and, and so I'm a bit of a supporter of John Key. I know he's not uh, a well-loved individual. In depends who you talk to. Yeah, exactly. Some people love him, some people hate him. I always thought he was pretty um, straight up, and he's a very good politician in that he gets himself into some tight corners and gets himself out uh, really well. It'll be interesting to see him get out of this one. Oh. Um, but, yeah, I think most people go, nah, that's just John Key. He's a bit of a 
bit of a dick like that sometimes. Um, and he'll still be a prime minister. You know, I don't think it's a big deal. But it is weird. I mean, everybody, I think everybody does have these little things that they have, they find attractive or they, they feel compelled about. But um, most people don't do it. And I think the reason, one of the reasons he did is he's in a position of power where he thinks he can. Yeah, maybe you know? that's it. But coming up in the news this week, we've got the headline, Tooth Pulling Accused Search Web for Fat Gummy Ladies. Yeah, I... Okay, what's that mean? <laughs> Basically, this creepy-looking man here called Philip Lyle Hansen, who looks freaky. He's 56 of Upper Hutt. He's been on trial in Wellington. He was uh, accused of some nasty things with ladies, um, including sexual abuse. And mainly, the gist the, the that I want to talk about is ripping out their teeth with pliers. He met them online on dating websites, and it turns out that he has some sort of weird fetish where he wants to make their teeth removed. Um, this is just randomly in the car during sex, and um, he even paid for them to go to the dentist to get teeth removed. What? He's, Does he keep the teeth? I don't know, but he liked women without teeth. So if they had dentures and that, that was good because he could just rip the whole lot out easily. Um, yeah. Weird, eh? But otherwise, he had a pair of pliers on the bedside just in case he was getting into it and felt like a bit of smoother action. Yeah, there's... Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's weird. It's very weird. There's a piece here... Oh, it might have been a different story. They had a, um, a story where they had actually looked into his computer and he had like 600-odd photos and images from Google of people with no teeth. So he was right into it. And his defense lawyer uh, stated to the jury, you need to think with your head and not your heart in this case. I don't really know how he was going to swing that because this guy's ripping people's teeth out <laughs> and oh doing other God. things. And so he, he's getting done for his accused of what rape and sexual abuse and... Um, yeah, yeah. Carrying pliers with the attempt to pull, maybe? I don't <laughs> Yeah, it's all sorts. Of, but he was paying. Um, he was paying the dentists, and uh, yeah. So I they did. I wonder if he got a referral commission so, from the dentist. I don't know, man. Oh, he he bizarre. deserved it. But he, um, they did some DNA testing on the pliers he used and found some, you know, the chick's DNA on there. Oh man! So you haven't come across anyone with weird um, in your many travels? I I think I have, but I, it's not popping to mind right now. Oh, okay. That's Why okay. Is that? Um, I did go. I, the, the girl I've actually mentioned in a podcast a while back, Aussie Ann. When when I first old Aussie Ann, yeah. when you went to Spain with her, she had a, a a thing for crusties. Crusties? Well, that's what we used to call them. Um, like rugged people. Rugged, rugged people. Yeah, yeah. Like she could had, be homeless. Might yeah, not they be. looked almost homeless, but you know, lots of um, you know piercings and tattoos, and and hadn't. I think she liked it better if they hadn't washed for a week or two, and. So and it was just ar like, aromatic. really? Really? But yeah, she'd, she'd just be all over the crusties. It was just it was just wrong. <laughs> the old crusties. <laughs> Very good. So moving on, you've got talking about, um, what do we got here? You've got about the shop, list, the shop lifters list. Yeah, I don't know if you saw this. It was in the news uh, last week. And so in Christchurch, um, they started a list of people that have been habitual shoplifters and they have, um, you know, been to jail for shoplifting and that. And they've basically got this list along with headshots and things like that and they've put it 
uh, out to all the retail stores. So the staff there have these lists and they see these photos of, of all these people that yeah. are active shoplifters in their area. Yeah, so these people are being targeted by the shops. Basically, if they see them, you know, they, they're asked to leave often the, or, or, or just watched very closely. The woman in the store that got a bit upset about it all to ask to leave had been done for shoplifting. Yeah, so, so that was the story. That's what got me is yeah. that, okay, so there's this woman. She's shoplifted for years. She went to jail for two years. Her daughter's just she coming out, out of jail from shoplifting. Yeah, she came out of jail and uh, did more shoplifting and got community service. And she's on this list. And the whole story was this woman feels marginalized because she was asked to leave the warehouse. Um, which is a chain of stores in New Zealand, if you haven't heard of it, and uh, because she's an active shoplifter, and she felt embarrassed by it. Like, hello, of course you feel embarrassed by it. The 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 message to you and to John Key is: don't shoplift, don't ponytail, and you won't feel bloody embarrassed. That's right. <laughs> that whole the whole list with the shoplifter thing. I didn't think there was anything new. I um, thought that was standard in retail. I don't know. I mean, it's it's common in casinos, right? Yeah. You know that, and um, you know. I'm sure they... there's a company. I'm sure there was. I'm sure I've seen it somewhere that distrib- You can sign up to this company, and they distribute the database or whatever it is around of certain people. But yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I don't know. I haven't really worked in retail ever. You know, like um, at that level, we when we worked in the bars, we'd occasionally get um, images come through for for people to be aware of or yeah, look out yeah. for. Um, usually, wanted offenders and things like that who've been active in the area. But yeah, no, I haven't haven't worked in that role. But it, I mean, the thing was that it's not a public list. It's not a no, list that they give to the public. Thing. Yeah, no, it's not at all. It's only given to the stores so that they can protect their sell, you know, their their products and themselves. So. I, <laughs> It was a non-event as far as the story yeah, goes. I don't know what she was expecting. Maybe like a GoFundMe page? Help <laughs> help me because I can't go to the shop. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, you, you make your bed and you lie in it. And I think, you know, she's um, she's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, that sums it up. She's an idiot. Because oh, oh, they went on and on about, you know, I, I shoplift uh, my teenage years to survive. That's how I survived. Well, yeah, nah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of people that survived that without doing that, you know. Um, I don't know. Have you ever shoplift? No. I have to say I did. I have. I do, I'll give you two examples. Oh, two examples. <laughs> two examples. This is obviously the back in your one youth. wasn't really shoplifting as I saw it, but I was only six or oh, seven. Yeah. Yep. Um, so back in my day when I was young... <laughs> It was a long time ago. That's like when they had horse-drawn carts, eh? Pretty much. So yeah. they um, had milk bottles in bottles, yes. right? And a milk bottle, um, you could get, I think for four milk bottles, you'd get a cent or two cents back. Yeah. Right? So you'd recycle them. So me and the guy up the road, Brett, who was a little bit older than me, like six months, you know how that's a big age yeah, that's gap massive. when you're, when you're yep. young or whatever. We discovered that the dairy... Um, had all their empty milk bottles in their backyard. So okay. we would jump over the fence, pass the bottles back, go around the front, give them their bottles. They'd give us the scent back or whatever, and we'd buy little um, lollies. And we just did that a little while till my mum found out and said that's stealing. I'm like, no, no, we just gave them bottles, but you got the bottles off them. Yeah, but it's just a shorter way of doing it. <laughs> and then the money goes back to them, so you know. Yeah, you know. So basically, we got lollies. 
Excellent. Um, yeah, and the other story I'm not proud of, to be honest, but um, in my travels when I was broke, and I mean, when I say broke, um, that is when I had no, there's no possibility of me getting a, a benefit or anything because I'm in another country yeah. that I'm not eligible for anything like that. I had no job, and basically I had no money. So uh, rather than sell my body, which was probably not an option, <laughs> I, um, I, you know, I, I went out and I found work every day. And if I had enough work to pay for food and then a night at the hotel, that would be great. Um, otherwise, I would sleep, sleep under a boat on the beach. Or yeah. I would. Um, what I found was there was a construction building next to the hotel and I get really drunk <laughs> and I climb up and I put a board across from the roof of the thing to the, the building that's being built next door yeah. and walk along the plank Holy crap. and yeah I know I think about it and go really and I survive and um, and then because everybody would be on the roof like the, all, all the um, people at that hotel is like a real cheap place and then I'd sleep on one of their couches or I'd sleep on the roof whatever it's all, all sort of good and then if I could afford to I'd stay there um, legally, like, but yeah, a uh, couple of times I shoplifted um, razors. Razors, yeah, you know, just the just the in, um, refills for razors. Oh yeah, um, just because they were ridiculously expensive, and I needed to have a shave so I could get another job, <laughs> and so I did that a couple of times. I feel really guilty about it, but there was no way I didn't have money. Yeah, yeah. Well, razor blades are ridiculously expensive. Yeah. So anyway, that's my shoplifting story. Ah, oh, very interesting. Yeah, terrible way. Terrible. I know. That's really bad. Anyway, um, so what else we got? You had, uh, well, I don't know if you want to end on this happiness, the happy note that you've got listed here, but you've got the death sentence opinion. Oh, yeah. So so there's been a lot about the death sentence thing going on, and I, I just was wondering about your opinion on it, really. So um, obviously the um, Aussies that uh, smuggled drugs into... Was it Thailand, eh? Malaysia. Malaysia. Yeah, Malaysia. Wherever. Bali nine. Yeah. So it was Malaysia. Um they um they were executed, right, last week. Yep. Um I heard everything coming up to it and I sort of missed everything about it happening, so I assume that's what happened. They they killed them in the end. And you know, a lot of people jump up and down and say, you know, it's barbaric, which I think it probably is. And, you know, I know Richard Branson was pretty vocal and just you know, saying it's a bad thing and all the rest of it. Also but at the other end of the scale, it's like, well, you know the consequences. The consequences are not a surprise. No, they're not. And you're doing, you know, you, that, that is the penalty for yeah. when you get caught smuggling drugs. Yeah, so you play the game. There was a, yeah, no, so that's it. I mean, you know, you know the rules. That's the game. That's so, what happens. Yeah, so this week um, there's another guy in New Zealand on death row in China for smuggling drugs. Yeah. Um, actually, in in lieu of my story about you know tough times and that, I got I got a bit of work and I I got a full time job and it was all right and I um, was there for a while and then I got to a point where I wanted to come back to New Zealand and I was like, how am I going to afford to get back to New Zealand? Yeah. yeah. And I was offered um, to smuggle drugs from Spain to um, to uh, London. And okay. if I did that, they'd pay my airfare home. Whoa. Um, and I have to say, I it, I considered it. I was like, well, that's one way of doing how, it. I mean, much, it's an option, right? How much drugs was there? Um, did they get it was, It was uh, hashish. It was, um, what do you call it? Lozenges of hashish. 
oh, right. that you carry internally. And there was a certain way, and I had learned how to wrap it properly and do all that sort of stuff. Uh, you know? <laughs> I, oh, I was ex- explained. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I was like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was in a semi-desperate position, but not like that bad. Obviously, so, I made it home in the end. Yeah. Anyway. So obviously, you didn't. You didn't, I didn't do it. you didn't have to smuggle drugs in your ass. How did you actually get home? Oh, I, I just, I just um, worked. Worked. I just worked and, and, oh. and made the money. And that's, and, a, that's a bit of a happier story. Yeah, yeah. There's Got a it. really good post on Facebook that I read, and it was by a cop in Australia talking about the Bali Nine, and he was talking about the effect that the drugs that they would have brought into Australia would have had on um, the the public and that and then he's talked about the one story that he'll never ever forget and it was this 15 year old girl that basically had to do anything and everything just to get her next fix and then eventually she just died in a gutter and he said it's a story you'll never ever um every cop out there has a story like that where they will never ever forget and that was his but there was i don't know if it was him or another post and they were talking about all the other drug smugglers that are on death row around the world and they said, why did everyone get so fixated on these guys? Because it's happening all the time. Yeah. And they just said, you know, this is, unfortunately, that's the that's the game they played. That's the rules they live by. And um, yeah, they stopped a large amount of drugs coming into the country, coming back. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, I, I, I don't have a, a great deal of sympathy for them. It I had more sympathy maybe for their family it, than for them. Yeah, that's but, true. Because yeah. their family didn't make the choice. But they made a choice. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's right, they did. But I wonder if it would have been better, oh, not better, but if it would have been different if it the whole process was shortened right down. Yeah. Like they said, six months, you know. Yeah. Instead of the years that they were there. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think that would make it um, better. It's It's almost like an irony thing, you know. We're going to rehabilitate you till you're a good person. Then we're going to kill you. Like yeah. <laughs> that's that's pretty that's pretty nasty. But one of the things, and you, you're reading Future Crime now, eh? I have finished Future Crime, but I will talk about that in the next podcast episode. Okay, because we've almost run out of oh time. Oh my god, you've actually finished it, and I still haven't. Okay, so anyway, um, I was, yeah, I was going to ask you that. Um, one of the things about that is that drug smuggling. Um, or, or buying drugs, um, and this is particularly in the US, but I think it's true everywhere. When you are buying drugs in that chain, you are funding terrorism somewhere along the line. Yep. Um, you know, and I'm talking about the heroines and all that sort of thing that that come from um, these countries that that you know they they get in the poppies, and those funds are um, going through often. That's funding terrorism, buying arms, all those sorts of things. And so, you know, it's it's something that you should note. I mean, it's just like if you buy a really cool uh, wastebasket that is actually an elephant's foot, you're just funding poaching, you know, and all that sort yeah. of stuff. And I, I think, you know, that that's where we can make a much bigger or better impact is if we are consumers that think about these things. But yes, Sam's giving me the wind-up eyes like, will you hurry up already? We're at time. We are. So we just want to say a big thank you for checking out our podcast, listening to this episode, which is episode number 31. Yes, we do appreciate our listeners. You and can check us out at everythings at the Chris and Sam podcast.com. Yep. Um, at Chris and Sam pod is the Twitter handle. We're pretty active on there. Um, often we 
Well, we both actually tweet on there, and then we forget to put our initial in there. So there might be a C or an S, or there might not. Yeah, just guess who it is. And uh, check us out on Facebook. And hopefully next episode, I'm going to have a little bit of a competition for everyone out there. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. Don't okay. We? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I oh, okay. Out. <laughs> All right. I'm like, hang on. That's news. I didn't know about that. Okay. All right. Well, till next time. Take care. See ya. Hope you enjoy the show. Make sure to subscribe, and we'll catch you next week. Don't forget to tell your friend.